crazy. I'm glad that they got out safe. Pulled to safety in the nick of time. The brush with death for a carload of seniors and the heroic TTC worker who saved their lives. Good evening. We will bring you that story shortly. But we begin tonight with an update to this week's bizarre mall heist in Vaughan. A Quebec woman says it was her car that was used in the smash and grab. And CTV News Toronto was with her when she saw it for the first time since it was stolen. Our John Musselman joins us now live with this CTV News exclusive. John. Well, Zoraida, it's been quite a week for this young woman from Quebec. First of all, her car is stolen on a test drive. Then she finds out it's been driven through a mall here in Toronto. And then she had to make the journey here last night to pick it up. Taylor Anna Kobinger fought back tears last night when she arrived at a Vaughan area auto repair shop and saw for the first time the damage done to her car. It's so unfair. I've put so much effort, money, time. I worked so hard to get it. It's finished paid for a year and a half now. It was Kobinger's car that was captured on security video, smashing through the doors to Vaughn Mills Mall just after 1 a.m. on Wednesday. Two suspects calmly drove through the mall where police say they stole electronic merchandise, loaded it into the car before driving out another door on the other side of the mall. Kobinger, who's from Laval, Quebec, says she listed the car for sale on Facebook Marketplace last week for cash to put towards her new home. On Sunday afternoon, she says she was accompanied by a man on a test drive, but when they were about to switch seats, he took off. The car later turned up abandoned, and now Kobinger is dealing with her insurance and figuring out how much the repairs will cost. Still, I know how much they're going to charge me for the paint, and there's over 10 to 15K of damage, for sure. I did already an estimate for the paint just to redo it, and just that was like 7 to 10K. There have been no arrests yet. Kobinger says investigators are working on some leads. They called me when I was on my way. Uh, they said that they have, um, the investigation has got really further. They have some ideas of who it might be. I haven't gotten any more news about it. Kobinger wants the people who did this arrested and charged. At a certain point, it has to stop. and. To damage stuff that some other people worked so hard. If you want stuff like that, just go work for it. It's it's really unfair. Meanwhile, back at Von Mills, the entrance to Gate Six is boarded up on both sides, while repair work is completed. And we did reach out to York Regional Police today for an update. They say they're uh, still looking into this. Uh, no suspects identified yet that have been made public, and no arrests. Reporting live, I'm John Musselman. Send it back to you. Thank you, John. A live look now at the city tonight in an evening Toronto has not experienced in a long time. Extreme cold weather warnings are in effect and the air is expected to feel colder than it has in years. The polar vortex has made its way from the Arctic all the way down to the GTA. Bringing some low, low temperatures and bone chilling winds with it. Lindsay Morrison joins us now with a further look at what we can expect over the next few hours. How's it feel out there tonight? Oh, I'm not going to lie to you, Michelle. It feels very cold out here tonight. Dangerously cold for anyone who has to spend an extended period of time outside. I hope that's not you. Uh a warm place to be would be a good idea on a night like tonight because we did not climb out of the minus double digits today. In fact, we are still very cold at this hour. Take a look at the current temperatures. It is, uh, yeah, the temperature getting close to minus 20 here in the GTA and feeling close to minus 30. As for a look at what's to come, we remain under this extreme cold warning. It's likely going to be in place right through tomorrow morning because of these extreme wind chills we're expecting through the night tonight. As for what's to come, 
overnight. We're still continuing to see snow squalls off of Lake Huron as well as Georgian Bay. We've had some very strong winds today. Perhaps you experienced them earlier on. 80k gusts around the city of Toronto. There was briefly a special weather statement. In effect, it has come to an end. Let's take a look at that satellite and radar. The areas that you see here getting snow squall activities, not the only ones impacted by this. There's also blowing snow that's reducing visibilities on some areas too. Overnight tonight, forecast low minus 22, feeling like minus 31. However, this cold snap, while brutal, it is relatively short-lived. Coming up, Zoraida and Michelle, we're going to take you through the weekend forecast and give you an idea of when our temperature is going to be back on the plus side of freezing. I know hard to believe right now, but I'll send it back inside to you. Thank you, Lindsay. And with the arrival of the coldest night in years, people everywhere are doing their best to stay warm. CTV's Janice Golding reports on how the region and its shelter systems are preparing. It's a frosty, freezing, frigid day in the city. Oh, God, it's unbelievable. I mean, I'm not that cold. Hurts a little to breathe, though. Toronto and most of Ontario under an extreme cold warning, a blast of Arctic air making it feel at times more like minus 30 with the wind chill. I put my snow pants on, I have lots of layers. I have my 3M gloves. I definitely a neck warmer. I wear good boots. Environment Canada says with the weather this cold, you really have to take care to cover up any exposed skin because frostbite can set in within a matter of minutes. Hypothermia is also a very real risk, which is why the city has added 432 additional spaces to its shelter system above the already 9,000 spaces it offers and 63 additional warming centre spaces. We opened at 7pm and by 9 it was at capacity. Toronto's warming centres are located at Scarborough Civic Centre, Metro Hall, Mitchellfield Community Centre and the Cecil Community Centre. We're a community centre that had to rearrange our programming and cancel some things to make this happen. We couldn't do that for five months of the year. But it definitely is important, and certainly at a time like this. Environment Canada says young children, older adults, those with chronic illnesses and those working outdoors are at greatest risk. Actually, I'm pretty pretty nice and comfy cosy. Which is why this crossing guard says she comes prepared for the elements. Well, you just kind of double, triple, quadruple up underneath your coat. These waste collectors who work outdoors all the time say it's just part of the job. But it always helps to keep your sense of humor. There's three, there's three of us in the truck, we're cuddling. <laughs> and if you've got warm gear, you're advised to wear it. What do you think your parents would say if they saw you like this without your jacket done up and without wearing your mitten? My dad will see me like this and might kill me. <laughs> Janice Golding, CTV News. And for more details on those warming centers and a deeper dive on this deep freeze, just head to our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca, and follow the links. And coming up, stepping up to help warm up some of our most vulnerable, how a group of volunteers is providing comfort on the coldest of days. Well, it's been a rough day on the roads north of the city as snow squalls brought visibility to near zero. One of the first collisions of the day was a 12-vehicle pileup on Highway 400 in Barrie sometime before 1 this afternoon. Those vehicles were cleared, but OPP later closed the highway from Highway 89 to Mapleview Drive as strong winds and lake effect snow made driving conditions treacherous. Police urged anyone who has to drive to do so carefully. 
Provincial police have announced a murder charge after a single vehicle collision last week in the Blue Mountains. On January 26th, investigators say an SUV left the roadway on Arrowhead Road and caught fire. Inside the vehicle, crews found the body of 40-year-old Ashley Schwalm of Collingwood. 38-year-old James Schwalm has now been arrested and charged with second-degree murder and indignity to a body. We have new details on a crime that shocked a lot of people across the city. Last week's random and fatal attack of former journalist last month along the Danforth. Police now say they know the suspect and he's facing serious charges. CTV's Scott Lightfoot joins us live now from Danforth with an update. Scott. Michelle, police say they don't believe the suspect and the victim in this case knew each other before the assault that happened here along the Danforth. They also revealed this afternoon that investigators were able to speak with the victim, Michael Finley, after he had been assaulted and before he died. This is the man Toronto police believe is responsible for the death of former CBC journalist Michael Finley. This afternoon, police announced they've obtained an arrest warrant for 43-year-old Robert Robin Cropyardwolf on a charge of manslaughter. Manslaughter really uh, means that the police can't prove there was an intent to kill. and that, But the, the action taken by the suspect uh, was so reckless and dangerous that he should have known it was either going to cause serious bodily harm or kill. Police say the 73-year-old Finley was assaulted while walking along the Danforth on January 24th. He was taken to hospital where he died on Tuesday. Police say it appears the victim and the suspect did not know each other. I will tell you that it appears, uh, from what we can tell so far, it's a chance encounter on the Danforth um, resulting in, in, an, in an assault. Police say Cropyard Wolf is known to them. A man with the same name is currently facing more than a dozen charges for breaking and entering robbery and assault with a weapon in Toronto. In 2017, Toronto police were looking for Cropyard Wolf in relation to a string of thefts in the entertainment district where cash, jewelry and electronics were stolen. A person with the same name and matching age was also arrested in Idaho in 2011 and charged with a number of burglary-related offences in California. Mr. Cropyard Wolf, if you are watching this, uh, I encourage you to speak to a, a lawyer and turn yourself into the nearest police station. Police now want the public's help in finding Cropyard Wolf on a much more serious charge. The challenge for police in cases like this is uh, proving the cause of death and having it related to the injuries sustained in the fall uh, and then uh, linking the injuries sustained to the actions taken by the suspect. Police have not revealed Finley's cause of death. They say an autopsy has been completed. They also say investigators managed to speak with Finley before he died. Homicide investigators say that they've had tremendous cooperation from people here along the Danforth, both in terms of witnesses and people who had surveillance video. They're looking for anyone who might know the whereabouts of the suspect in this case to contact either police or Crime Stoppers. Pointing live on the Danforth, I'm Scott Lightfoot. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Scott. York Regional Police are sharing dramatic footage of several arrests as they caught up with a group of armed robbery suspects. This video is from January 20th. Investigators say two suspects in a stolen Mazda tried and failed to rob a currency exchange store in Richmond Hill. The police helicopter then tracked them to a bank in Whitby where they were allegedly carrying out another armed robbery. Officers stepped in as they tried to flee eventually arresting two men in their 20s and two boys in their teens. They face a combined 46 charges.
Just 24 hours ago, a dramatic scene was unfolding in Scarborough. A transit worker saving four people from a car stuck on the tracks with a train just minutes away. Tonight, that TTC bus driver is being honored for his bravery. CTV's Natalie Johnson joins us now. And Natalie, there is no overstating this man's efforts. And Zoraida, that bus operator is shying away from the spotlight today. He does not want to speak publicly, but he is being hailed as a hero for saving those four seniors whose car became lodged on the tracks. The tracks today are calm. No sign left of the panic that played out here last night. Around 6 p.m., a GO train crashed into a car that had taken a wrong turn onto the railway. Just minutes after the four people inside the car were pulled to safety by a quick-acting TTC bus operator. It's crazy. I'm glad that they got out safe. It's very brave. I guess he risks his own life uh, by uh, going out of the way to trying to save others. The driver of the car tells CTV News he had been confused in the dark and the snow. When he realized he had driven onto the tracks, he tried to make a U-turn but got stuck. The bus driver who saw it happen abandoned his vehicle and ran to the car, opening the doors and unbuckling the seatbelts of the seniors inside. The operator was quick thinking. He knows that route. He knows that the GO train comes through there. Um, got the people out of the car, encouraged them to come out of the car, uh, put them on his bus. They were safely on the bus and then the car got hit by the train. It was just a few weeks ago that another TTC employee, Transit Supervisor Ben Curtin, was recognized for saving the life of a baby who was choking and in distress at Coxwell Station. I have two boys of my own. You kind of just put yourself in that position of that parent. Amid several weeks of negative news involving violence on Toronto's transit system, the TTC says these latest heroic acts demonstrate there is also much good being done in the system. It's nice to get some recognition for the employees because they're out there doing incredibly hard work under incredibly difficult circumstances. The TTC is getting a bad reputation right now and the guys that work the buses and the trains, they work their butts off. The TTC says the bus operator will be formally recognized for his bravery. And that recognition will include an invitation to this driver to be publicly acknowledged at the TTC's next board meeting if he is willing. Reporting live in Scarborough, I'm Natalie Johnson. Zoraida, over to you. Thank you, Natalie. Well, news of those heroic actions could not have come at a better time for the TTC. For weeks now, the sentiment has been growing that Toronto has a safety problem on its transit system. Tonight, we have evidence suggesting most people agree. CTV's Mike Walker joins us now with details of a new poll. Mike. Well, the poll was conducted following a recent rash of violent incidents on the TTC and other transit systems right across the country. And what it found was that public transit users here in Ontario are the most worried about their safety. On the afternoon commute, some transit riders admit they're on high alert following a recent string of violence on the TTC. I've been concerned about the rise in incidents, but... I rely on the TTC to get around. In the wake of those incidents, a new Nanos poll found that 71% of Ontarians feel less or somewhat less safe using public transit compared to a year ago. I'm always scared because I always take the subway and we don't see a lot of officers, you know, so... You don't know who is the person beside you. Nationwide, 65% of women say they felt less or somewhat less safe on public transit compared to 50% of men. About 66% of respondents indicated they're more or somewhat more cautious of their surroundings and urban settings as a result of recent attacks. I do feel a bit less safe. 
but uh, at the same time, like uh, the the best way to avoid it is to, if you see someone sketchy, just go to a different uh, exit on uh, door on the train. I'm against the wall. Um, you know, my hood is usually down. In response to the random violence, dedicated police officers are now patrolling the TTC, plus security guards with training in mental health and overdose prevention and detection, and community safety ambassadors to work with individuals experiencing homelessness. We've heard the same thing from our customers that this survey shows. That's why it's so important that we work with our partners at the city, and street outreach workers, to make sure that we're covering all of the aspects of these safety incidents that we've seen lately. With violent incidents also recently reported on transit in other major Canadian cities, the union representing transit workers continues to push for the creation of a national transit safety task force. This is an opportunity for all transit systems to come together to try to identify some of the root causes and try to establish some of the best practices to help mitigate uh, some of the risk to our workers. As for the additional temporary security measures, it remains unclear how long they will be in place. Now, in the meantime, the TTC says there are weekly conversations with city officials and police to discuss the ongoing safety concerns and how to address them. Reporting live on Mike Walker, Zoraida, back to you. Thank you, Mike. Valentine's Day is just a few short days away for most of us. Still ahead, the cancellation in Kitchener that is hurting the hearts of some families. Toronto police held their first ever event kicking off Black History Month this morning. The celebration featured performances and speeches marking the occasion and the theme of honoring the past and building the future. Police Chief Myron Demke also pledged to continue efforts to improve relations with the black community. Advocates in attendance said actions speak louder than words. Well, summer may feel pretty far away right now, but the province is taking a new step to protect long-term care residents when temperatures rise. Back in 2021, the Ford government passed a bill ordering care homes to install air conditioning in every resident room. Nearly 600 facilities, or 94%, have met that requirement. Now the Ministry of Long-Term Care is proposing a $25,000 fine for homes that don't have full AC. A ministry spokesperson says at the moment about three dozen homes still aren't in compliance. Also at Queen's Park, Ontario's official opposition is preparing to welcome its next leader. The province's NDP will officially announce Marit Stiles as its new chief tomorrow afternoon. The MPP for Davenport was the only person to enter the race. She takes over from interim leader Peter Tabins. Longtime leader and Hamilton Mayor Andrea Horvath stepped down in June after leading the party to a second-place finish against the progressive conservatives in the provincial election. To a story about an aircraft a lot of people never expected to hear about, including security workers at the Pentagon. China is accused of floating a spy balloon over Canada and the U.S. CTV's Kevin Gallagher has the fallout and the reaction. This large Chinese balloon continues to soar east across the U.S. at nearly twice the altitude of a commercial airliner. Today, Pentagon officials confirmed it has surveillance equipment and is breaking international law. The balloon is maneuverable. Um, clearly, it's, in, it's violated U.S. airspace. The massive object, reportedly the size of three buses, passed through Canadian airspace before being spotted over Montana where it flew over a U.S. nuclear launch site. 
Sources tell CTV News Canadian officials have known about the balloon since the weekend. After being flagged by NORAD, U.S. fighter jets passed by confirming there were no weapons, instead discovering high-resolution cameras. The Pentagon says shooting it down could pose a risk to people yes, and it property. It's not pose a physical threat, as I mentioned, uh, to people on the ground. The Department of National Defense says it's monitoring a potential second incident. Sources tell CTV News intelligence is not ruling out that a smaller object could have come from the larger balloon that might pose a risk to planes. This prompted an advisory for pilots yesterday. Today, China's foreign ministry admitted the balloon is from their country, but called the espionage accusations speculation, instead describing it as a civilian research airship. This has inflamed tensions between Washington and Beijing, with the U.S. Secretary of State postponing his visit to China that was scheduled for next week. Kevin Gallagher, CTV News, Ottawa. Also in Ottawa, the Trudeau government is reversing plans to include semi-automatic rifles and shotguns on the list of prohibited weapons in Canada. Law-abiding, decent, indigenous Canadians, farmers, rural Canadians who, who follow the law stood up with Conservatives and forced him to temporarily pause this plan. It is not our intention um, to uh, impact uh, those that are uh, hunting and using uh, firearms for hunting. And we acknowledge and regret that uh, the consultations that we undertook uh, were not sufficient. The Liberals withdrew an amendment to their firearms bill today that would have changed the definition of, of an assault-style weapon. Many hunters and farmers argued it criminalized weapons they use legally. The Prime Minister will host a meeting next week intended to hammer out a deal with the provinces and territories on federal health care transfers. Today, Ontario's finance minister was asked what he wants to see happen. Get it done. I mean, we, we asked uh, two years ago for this meeting. I'm really thrilled that the meeting of the Premier and Prime Minister is happening on Tuesday. I'm, I'm very pleased that we're talking today uh, and letting Canadians know how much of a Priority health care is for not just Ontarians, but all uh, Canadians. And, uh, you know, we just want to make sure that we get this done. It's sustainable uh, so that we don't have to keep going through this. Peter Bethenfall, we spoke following a meeting in Toronto between the federal finance minister and her provincial counterparts. Christian Freeland told them Ottawa needs to invest in health care, but she would not say whether the 35% funding they want is possible. Canada is slapping more sanctions on Russia. 38 individuals and 16 entities are being penalized for helping peddle Russian disinformation and propaganda. They include one of the largest state-owned media groups, Mia Rosia Segonia, and several actors, athletes and singers, including Nikolai Viktorovich Baskov. He performed at a pro-war concert in Moscow. Pope Francis has arrived in the world's newest country. The pontiff was welcomed at the airport in South Sudan today. He is there to focus attention on what he has called a forgotten crisis. South Sudan gained independence in 2011, but has been racked by civil war and conflict. The pope's visit to the overwhelmingly Christian nation wraps up a trip that also included the Democratic Republic of Congo. Love will be in the air very soon for a lot of people as they get set to celebrate Valentine's Day. For children at one Ontario school, though, February 14th will just be another regular day. CTV's Carmen Wong explains why. 
One school's decision to cancel Valentine's Day in the classroom is breaking hearts. All three of Stephanie Robinson's kids were really looking forward to passing out their Valentines. They've missed out on so much from the pandemic and then to pull this out from under them. I mean, we've already bought our Valentine's cards and kids really personalize them. In a notice sent to parents, Jean Steckley Public School says while they are mindful of the popularity of Valentine's Day, it is not celebrated by all students and families. Going on to say, quote, it is essential that all students feel welcomed and reflected at school and that our celebrations do not negatively impact our families and students. Valentine's Day is not about any specific reason except you know, celebrating friendships and spreading love and joy. The school telling parents not to send in any cards or food. They did say that we can hand out the cards before and after school. Of course we can, that's our own time. So it's just, and it's not the same. A spokesperson with the Waterloo District School Board says, while this decision is up to each school, Valentine's Day can at times place financial strain on families to purchase cards or sweets, adding that celebrating through candy and sweets are inconsistent with the healthy school's approach. Some parents say they will adjust their plans. We always do something on Valentine's, do little cards among ourselves. Um, at school, it doesn't really matter. He's too little to understand. But yes, I wanted him to know what it is, what it means. Robinson says her three little ones are disappointed, urging the school to reconsider. We're just trying to keep hope that they're going to change their minds and reverse their decision. Carmen Wong, CTV News, Kitchener. And we have reached out to several GTA school boards to learn their plans for Valentine's Day. So far, the TDSB says no change in store for students this year, while Peel does say a number of its schools will skip the holiday. The TCDSB, for its part, says the decision will be made at the school level. Just ahead on cold days like these, it's a basic necessity that can make all the difference. The volunteers seeking out sock donations for homeless people. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, e-bikes are a popular way to get around and the battery can give you an extra boost of speed and power, but the batteries are also causing a growing number of fires and some of them are fatal. There are ways to use e-bikes safely. I'll have my reports just ahead. It has been a frigid Friday and it all got started this morning. Take a look at the temperatures we woke up to in southern Ontario. About 19 degrees in the city of Toronto, but look at parts of Muskoka feeling like 40. It is going to be a similar situation into tomorrow morning. This is your wake up weather. Some communities are going to be even colder, but by next week, we might forget all about this deep freeze. Some very mild weather in the long range. We're going to talk some weather experiments coming up here on CTV News and stay with us. We have another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. E-bikes have grown in popularity over the past few years. They have a battery to give you an added boost when you're riding them. But fire departments are raising concerns. The batteries used in e-bikes are responsible for a growing number of fires, some of them fatal. Pat Foran has our story on Consumer Alert. Pat. That's right, and Michelle, e-bikes are causing fires right across the country. The Toronto Fire Department told us there were 12 e-bike fires in the city last year. The problem is the batteries could catch fire if they're overcharged, poorly made or used with the wrong charger. Many people with e-bikes love them and they also like the fact their battery allows them to go faster, further and help them up a hill. 
But on New Year's Day in Ottawa, firefighters were called to put out a blaze caused by an e-bike. Last fall, a fire in Brantford did $300,000 damage. The cause was also an e-bike. Determined the cause of the fire to have been involved with the, uh, the charging of an e-bike. In Vancouver, e-bike fires led to the deaths of five people last year. We've had over 20-plus lithium-ion battery fires in 2022, and five of those have been fire deaths. New York City issued a warning after e-bike and e-scooter batteries caused 202 fires, 142 injuries, and six deaths. And the lithium-ion batteries used in e-bikes are poorly made, overused, overcharged, or used with the wrong charger. It can cause fires, and those fires can be violent and difficult to put out. If you're shopping for an e-bike, look for one with a UL-certified label, then follow the manufacturer's instructions for charging and storage, and always use the power adapter and cord supplied by the manufacturer. Don't ever leave the battery charging overnight or while you're not home. If you need a new battery, buy it from the same manufacturer as your e-bike. If at any time your battery starts doing anything unusual, if it smells or makes a hissing sound, unplug it immediately. Taking these steps can keep your e-bike and battery safe and help prevent fires. And many people like e-bikes because they can store them inside their apartments or condos. But the fear of fire has some buildings changing the rules. In New York, some landlords are now banning e-bikes from being brought inside. On your side, I'm Pat Foray. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. Toronto homeowners are now receiving their interim property tax bills and a reprieve on a deadline from the city. Owners were supposed to declare by yesterday whether their properties are vacant or occupied. That form is now due by the end of the month. Officials say around 85% of households have already completed the paperwork. If no form is filed, the city will assume a property is vacant and a tax of 1% of the home's assessed value will be applied. Well, the city of Brampton has unveiled plans for a new high-density neighborhood with a state-of-the-art cricket facility at its heart. The project would go up on city lands in the area of Kennedy Road South and Highways 407 and 410. The CAA Centre is located there now, but Brampton officials are now accepting expressions of interest to develop the 45-hectare site. Potential plans for the cricket facility and surrounding neighborhood will go before Brampton Council later this year. To your frigid weather forecast right now and sure on days like today when it's this cold you can complain or you could have some fun yeah so just how cold is it lindsay you're about to show us yeah, and I want to go on the record as Zoraida and Michelle. I volunteered to come out here because I wanted to have some fun and maybe show families that, yes, while of course this cold weather is dangerous and you need to take care of yourself, it can also be kind of fun. So we've just boiled some hot water. Don't know if it's quite cold enough for this, but let's give it a little try. When you toss it in the air, yeah, it turns into a little bit of steam when you say that's one of uh, a couple of famous uh, cold weather experiments that we've done today. Anyone ready for dinner? I made a you know, plate of frozen spaghetti that was earlier today. And uh, yeah, I'm going to need to work on getting that fork out of there. Did you know that if you leave a banana outside long enough, it can become hard enough? to sort of hammer in a nail and that's not all. I also decided to do some laundry out here today, Zoraida and Michelle. So here's one shirt that I ended up putting through the wash. 
a little frozen. I shouldn't have I shouldn't have put it on that clothesline, right? Should have brought it in and used the dryer. So that's a fleece version. And then this is just your regular t-shirt. So uh, lots happening here. I will say not all of these weather uh, experiments worked all that well. We had some plans to do some frozen bubbles, but I'll be honest with you, it's just a little too windy out here today. And that's part of our weather story heading into the weekend. Let's take you through the forecast. We'll begin by letting you know that weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand it's hard to stop a train. So the cold is being felt right across Canada, but we're starting to see some improvements in Western Canada. Uh, temperatures are warming up and extreme cold warnings coming to an end in the West, still in place across much of Eastern Canada, including us here in Southern Ontario. So there's a look at the extreme cold warning that includes Southern Ontario and the city of Toronto. Tonight's lows going to be cold, minus 22 degrees here in the city, uh, feeling like minus 31 once you take the winds into consideration. With wind chills like that, frostbite rates are elevated. So keep in mind that exposed skin can freeze in conditions like this in as little as 10 minutes. As for the wind chill forecast, yes, it's going to be very cold tonight and into the day tomorrow, but then conditions improve as the afternoon rolls on and we reach our daytime high tomorrow in the evening. So there's tomorrow at a glance, afternoon temperature around minus five with the temperature continuing to rise after that. A quick look at the satellite and radar. We do still have some active weather. I'm gonna breeze through this forecast radar and while, radar, and while we're doing that, I do want to mention we have a chance of flurries into your Saturday morning and then maybe some mixed precipitation possible by Sunday because temperatures are going to be warm. Here's the seven-day forecast. By next Tuesday, it is five degrees and we have rain in the forecast and once again, five by the time we reach Thursday. So uh, lots of cold weather tonight and tomorrow morning, uh, Michelle and Zoraida, but things get a little bit better after that. I'm going to send it back inside to you. Awesome experiments. Love that, Lindsay. Thank you. On air, online, on every platform. Escape tragedy by mere moments. CTV News Toronto. A story you'll only see here. Winner of the Canadian Screen Award for Best Local Newscast. We have developing details. Watch weeknights at 6. The future of Canada's only domestic COVID-19 vaccine is up in the air. The Quebec government is looking for a buyer for Medicago, Inc. It makes the plant-based Covifans vaccine. But yesterday, parent company Mitsubishi Chemicals said it's going to stop marketing the vaccine and liquidate Medicago. The Japanese firm says that is due to significant changes in the COVID-19 vaccine environment. Right now, there are about 1,000 patients in Canada waiting for a stem cell donor. And there is a critical need for help from those with diverse backgrounds. We get more from our health reporter, Pauline Chan. In 2013, Dorothy Vernon Brown saw an unexplained bruise on her leg. And as it turned out, that was leukemia. It was symptoms. And um, I was then diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia. It's a very aggressive cancer, and she needed a stem cell transplant. But none of her four siblings were a match, and there was a very shallow pool to draw from in the stem cell registry. There are only 1% blacks in that donor pool because ethnicity matters when it comes to stem cell transplant. Amazingly, she found a match, and later she started the Drive for Dorothy Foundation to help people from all backgrounds to find the blood match they need. If we get more donors in, in, in the registry, if we get more diversity, if we get the numbers, the likelihood of finding one 
ex increases exponentially, and that's what our goal is. This year, she hopes to get 5,000 black Canadians to register as potential donors. Dr. Mark Minden says stem cell transplants can treat numerous illnesses now. Acute leukemia, myelodysplastic syndromes, aplastic anemia, and they're now also being used to treat hemoglobinopathies, so um, sickle cell disease and some severe thalassemias. And the painful bone marrow punctures that used to be needed are no longer required. The donor is given a growth factor that causes their stem cells to move into their blood and the blood is taken off, the stem cells are collected and everything else is given back. And that takes a couple of hours. Former NBA player Denim Brown will be there this weekend to help lead the donor drive. All that's needed is a cheek swab. It will be held Saturday at the First Baptist Church on Huron Street in Toronto. And a separate drive by Canadian Blood Services will be held February 11th to 13th at Square One. You can even get a free haircut or beard trim there and meet stem cell recipients and patients to learn more. Pauline Chan, CTV News. Shania Twain is out with her first new album in more than five years. I left my heart out of water in a hole somewhere in small town Ohio. After releasing a few music videos from the album, Queen of Me officially dropped at midnight. Twain celebrated on Twitter, saying, I wrote it from a place of feeling good within myself. I wanted music that got me dancing and lifted my spirits. I think the fact that I recorded it with so many good-hearted people only amplified that. I hope the album empowers you to feel good in your own skin. Canadian heavy hitters like Drake and The Weeknd may be boycotting the Grammys, but a crowded field of nominees is still vying for the awards this Sunday. Beyonce is nominated in nine categories and could become the most awarded artist in Grammys history. She'll face competition in several categories from Adele, Harry Styles and Lizzo, just to name a few. We'll find out who comes out on top Sunday evening. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. Old enough to play the lottery, and she hits the jackpot on her very first try. Meet the 18-year-old first-year student who is suddenly a multimillionaire. I worked so hard to get it. It's finished paying for a year and a half now. Updating our top stories, a Quebec woman fought back tears as she picked up her stolen, significantly damaged car from an auto shop in Vaughan. Police say it was used in that bizarre mall heist where thieves drove through Vaughan Mills and stole electronics. The action taken by the suspect uh, was so reckless and dangerous. A random and fatal attack on a former journalist is now a homicide. Police allege 43-year-old Robert Robin Cropperd Wolf shoved Michael Finley to the ground. He is wanted for manslaughter. I put my snow pants on. I have lots of layers. My 3M gloves. I definitely a neck warmer. I wear good boots. It's a frigid day in the city and most of the province with the wind chill making it feel like minus 30 or colder. Toronto has expanded warming center capacity and has added more emergency shelter beds. Well, this cold snap may be brief, but that doesn't mean it's any less difficult to bear for those who spend their nights outdoors. CTV's Andrew Brennan shows us the efforts of one group delivering help to those who need it most by providing a bit of warmth for the soul. Ah! Part alert. 
part rallying cry. When the cars pull up, they are filled with socks. Socks are really important because they are one of the least donated items of clothing and one of the most needed items. Often in short supply and when wet can lead to extreme discomfort and potential disease. The Just Socks Foundation has donated over half a million socks to shelters, drop-in programs and other charities. Before this particularly cold weekend is in the rearview mirror, there will be 40,000 more in the hands and on the feet of some of Ontario's most vulnerable. It means a great deal to some of the homeless people downtown. Uh, that's one of the first things they're going to ask for is socks every time. Volunteer Todd Kilpatrick sees the need just outside his door. In Toronto, it's particularly cold, and I live in downtown Toronto, so I see a number of homeless people every single day, and what, uh, what a, a good way to help them out. Much like hydro lines connecting a province, the lengths to which these socks can travel and the help that they can bring is far and wide. In northern Ontario, we uh, do Guelph, Cambridge, so the Tri-City area. We also have, uh, you know, drop locations uh, as far as, as Mount Forest, so it goes pretty far. The head of Just Socks, Terry Smith, says days like this serve as a reminder of why she does what she does. Anything we can do to help people on these freezing cold days is, is so important. And uh, if it's giving them a bowl of soup, if it's giving them a place to stay, or if it's giving them a pair of socks, it's a little bit of comfort that helps them in terrible times like this. And together we can help one step and two socks at a time. Andrew Brennan, CTV News. On the markets tonight, the loonie was down about half a cent to 74.61 U.S. American oil dropped 2.49 to close at 73.39 U.S. a barrel. And the TSX added 17 points to end the day at 20,758. Home sale trends across the GTA didn't change much in January compared to December, but they do show just how much the market has shifted since one year ago. The Toronto Regional Real Estate Board says home sales last month were down a whopping 45% from January of 2022. The average selling price is also down 16% to $1,038,000 on average. Sales and prices went down as the Bank of Canada increased interest rates. Experts now say they'll watch whether buyers get off the sidelines as those rates are put on hold. A Northern Ontario woman is $48 million richer tonight after a lottery win that also set a national record. <laughs> 18-year-old Juliette Lamour won the Lotto 649 gold ball jackpot in a January drawing. She says she bought her first ever lottery ticket but forgot until hearing someone in Sault Ste. Marie had won. Lamour is the youngest person in Canadian history to win the jackpot of this size. She says she plans to travel but is committed to her dream of becoming a doctor. Just ahead, what to do when the sidewalk is a persistent no-go. A whippy resident fed up by unaddressed mounds of snow takes matters into his own hands. Toronto, I'm Teddy Wilson. And I'm Nicole Stravinas. Welcome to Think to Know TO. Each week, we shine a spotlight on a wide variety of local businesses, services, events, and initiatives from across the GTA. These companies are part of what makes Toronto one of the world's most vibrant cities and a great place to live, work, and play. Join us Saturday mornings for Things to Know TO. And visit us online at thingstoknowto.ca. 
Well, for years, a Whitby couple couldn't believe a busy section of sidewalk left inaccessible with each dump of snow wasn't being cleared. What was it going to take? Well, as CTV's Beth McDonnell reports, sometimes the squeaky wheel needs a little elbow grease. Like this this morning. No. <gasps> they came to clear it. Looks salted and everything. Showing up with a shovel once again, an unexpected find. The spot Michael and Jody Bruno had been pleading for the Whitby Town Plows to clear, suddenly done. It's just sh shocking that it had to get this far for them to do the proper maintenance of snow removal that they should be doing. The Brunos say this section of sidewalk is used by many school children. For 10 years, ever since they moved to the area, they've wanted it cleared regularly. But time and time again, it wasn't. Until last week turned out to be the last straw. My two daughters and I and my two dogs, we were trying to cross over here and this walkway and it wasn't plowed. So I began to walk along the street. My children began to climb up over. So did my dogs. I tried and I fell. Michael shoveled the spot and took before and after photos, emailing them to officials Monday and posting them on social media, writing, who do I send the bill to? For me, it's more about the community and keeping residents safe that they can get to their local mailbox or students or other residents can get to the transit. This morning, CTV News reached out to the town, mayor and regional councillors. The town confirmed soon after that it returned to the spot, saying it was part of their regular route and cleaned the sidewalk about an hour before RTV crew showed up. As far as I know, it's never been cleared in all the years that I've lived here. The town says it encourages residents to use its new winter reporting form for issues that need prompt attention, thanking Michael for submitting his photos. There needs to be access from both sides. There needs to be able, I need to be able to walk from one side of the sidewalk to the other without having to jump over, you know, two feet of snow. The Brunos, among the many counting on the sidewalk to be cleared. Beth McDonnell, CTV News. I'm wondering if you could even clear the sidewalk or snow if you wanted because it's all frozen now. It's ice. Yeah, you need a chisel out there tonight, that's for sure. And uh, things are going to warm up as we make our way through the weekend, but tonight we remain under an extreme cold warning. It includes uh, almost all of the GTA and much of southern Ontario. There's one more look for you. As we make our way through the day tomorrow, we will see this come to an end. But ahead of that, yeah, we're still dealing with snow squalls and blowing snow. Uh, the temperature tomorrow, afternoon temperature around minus 5, it's going to get even warmer than that as we make our way into the evening. That is a look at your weekend forecast. Three degrees by Sunday and five by the time we reach Tuesday. I have a feeling that by next week, this is going to feel like a little bit of a distant memory, but stay warm tonight, everyone. Michelle and Zoraida. Thank you, Lindsay. And that's it for us, but be sure to join Heather Butts tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by our next local newscast with Zoraida at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night. We'll see you at 11.30.